0: Well, a big thank you to the four Kalinko brothers for that uh, wonderful four-part harmony. And um, I'm going to ask them to do it live in church (laughs) next Sunday if they'll accept my invitation. They're very busy on tour, I think. Well, praise the Lord. You have your Bible with you? Did you bring your Bible to church? Amen? All right. At least we can do that, right? We can bring a Bible to church. Notice that in the, the pew in front of you, normally where there's a, a hymn book, a couple of hymn books and a Bible, they're gone. We took them, we took them away and they, they are in lockdown right now. And so we have them safely stored away. You know, we've been talking uh, last February. February, we had our AGM and we were talking about getting chairs in, interlocking chairs. That never happened, did it? Because of COVID-19 and all that's on hold. But I was thinking if we had those chairs, it would make it a little easier for us to be able to spread the chairs out a little bit. It wouldn't feel so awkward coming into the auditorium. Where do I sit? Where do I sit? Oh, I can't sit here. It's closed. You know, Oh, okay. I'll sit over here. But uh, maybe, maybe one day soon, one day soon. Well, Last Sunday, I gave that message on coming home from Babylon, and it was to sort of help prepare us for today, this morning, this evening, next Sunday, morning and evening, just to start us getting back into the routine, into the habit of coming to church at least twice a month, anyhow. Um, Here we have a very interesting passage of Scripture, and verse 9, I'd like to draw your attention to this verse where. The Bible says, grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Well, I'd like to talk with you this morning, please, for a little while, about this thing called a grudge. A grudge, that's a strange word. What in the world is a grudge? Where does a grudge come from? How is it that it comes and what does it do? Well, we're going to look at that today. And so have your Bible open and we'll be turning to a couple of passages as well. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads in prayer first. Now, our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this golden opportunity to be together once again. Hallelujah. Father God, speak with our hearts here in the church auditorium and also through the Internet, into everyone's living room, wherever they might be watching the service our dear heavenly father please let your word go forth with great power of the holy spirit and conviction of the truth we pray father god for every one of us because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and someone may be thinking why this message doesn't apply to me lord that may be the case but chances are there might be something some application. Heavenly Father, bring the word home to our hearts with great authority of the Holy Spirit. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a strange word, isn't it? A grudge. A grudge. It's a strange kind of word. I don't know what sort of emotions that evokes in you, but it's just kind of a, A weird sort of a sounding word, grudge. Where does this word come from? Well, I looked it up. Our English word grudge comes from an old French word that means to grumble or to murmur. And a grudge happens when someone becomes dissatisfied with something that someone has done to them. That makes sense, doesn't it? The dissatisfaction, we start to grumble and murmur. And this is what a grudge is. So a grudge is a murmuring or a complaining of dissatisfaction. Now, if it all just stopped there, it might not be so bad, but folks, the truth is it gets worse than that. It really does. A grudge just doesn't stop and end there. It continues on. You say, what do you mean? A grudge carries with it a reluctance to forgive. Someone who's done something to you and made you dissatisfied Now you've murmured and complained and grumbled. Now you have a grudge. And there there tends to be a reluctance or an unwillingness to forgive that person against whom you and I have the grudge. Little Johnny causes an offense. He offends little Billy. Now little Billy has a grudge. And he shows his. His grudge. Little children can do this. You can see it real quick when they're very dissatisfied. When little children are dissatisfied, out goes that lower lip. They, they just do it instinctively. I don't know where they learned it from. My children never learned it from me, obviously. Nor my wife, because we're perfect parents. You realize that? Now, I don't know how. It's in the gene somehow, but uh, we transfer it on, and I'm sure it's the father's fault somehow. It always... <laughs> Gentlemen, it usually ends up being our fault, eh? these things. So, anyhow, the kids grow up with this, mm, you know, this murmuring, complaining, and they shoot out the lower lip. Well, there's a little Billy for you. Now, someone might say, Pastor, isn't that a normal human reaction? And I say, You're right. It is. And I couldn't agree with you more. When someone offends you, all of a sudden, you have a grudge. But if left unchecked, you see, if left unchecked, it grows into something very ugly. In life, you will get a cut now and again. If you work with knives in a kitchen or with tools or something or minding your own business, you'll get a cut somewhere. But if left unchecked, that wound could get infected and it could cause very serious repercussions. Well, a grudge is something that, if left unchecked, always has repercussions. Not sometimes, but always. And I feel that this is an important subject for us to at least deal with and acknowledge. A grudge will quickly turn to a deep anger, which will become finally bitterness. And bitterness will then Look for revenge. And revenge sometimes commits murder. Wow. How is it that that nice person committed murder? Well, they sought revenge. How did that happen? Well, they were bitter. How did that happen? Well, they were very angry. How did that happen? Because they held a grudge. How did that happen? Oh, because someone slapped them or said something about them or took something that didn't belong to them or something like that. You can usually trace these things right back. And you know, folks, this is where the devil really gets a hold of people. Even good people. Even Christian people. Yes, this can happen to any of us. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Some people end up with a lot of anger and they go for anger management. Sometimes people are... Break the law, they're brought into court, and the court demands they take so many hours of anger management. Well, sometimes people go for years to anger management when all along what we really need is an anger miracle when God takes away the anger. Hallelujah. God still and really does and can and will give anger miracles, taking away that desire to be angry, taking away that anger and bitterness and frustration and revenge. God does that sort of thing. Isn't that wonderful to know? That's the wonderful God we have. Folks, we're not serving some unknown God or, or some dead God. We're serving a living, powerful God who can make changes in our lives, good changes, I'm happy to say. God really does give amazing victory over grudges and anger. And that's why he is able to tell us here, in James 5, 9, grudge not one against another, brethren. You know, when you, when you look at the life of Jesus on earth, Jesus never held a grudge. Never. There's no indication whatsoever that Jesus ever held a grudge. And neither should we. Now, someone may say, Pastor, sounds like a good message, but I don't think it applies to me. And I say, why is that? Well, the truth is, that person who did me wrong it was, it was a real bad thing they did. They honestly, really, legitimately did me wrong. They, they hurt me. They said things about me. They took things from me. They hurt my close loved ones. And they honestly did it. I can't change history. I can't go back. It happened. They did it. There's the smoking gun still in their hand. They never sought forgiveness. And the truth is, I'm not really angry. I'm just disappointed. Folks, honestly, that sounds more like little Billy hurt and pouting than it does the Lord Jesus. Because Jesus wouldn't respond that way, would he? We know he wouldn't respond that way. Jesus never held a grudge. Jesus is in heaven today. And people are doing all kinds of horrible things toward him. He doesn't hold a grudge. He doesn't have to. You say, well, he's God. Are you a Christian? Are you saved? Yes. You have Jesus inside you? Yes. Then you have God inside you. We need to let Him lead. That's the thing. It's when we are, you know, the boss, we're leading our lives. That's when we hold on to grudges. When Jesus is in control, Jesus doesn't hold grudges. These days of COVID lockdown, people are stuck at home looking at each other. And the number of cases of dissatisfaction, And grudge holding and anger and physical abuse are starting to skyrocket. And I did a little study. I did some research, and in Canada, the agencies for the prevention of domestic violence, they are getting literally overrun with work. Their phones are ringing off the hook. And they are reporting increases in domestic violence as much as over 400%. And they're all saying the same thing. It's because of the lockdown, the restrictions, COVID-19. Well, as Christians, we could say, well, it's because of the devil, really. You know, He's the one kind of behind a lot of this stuff. But here it turns out, when you stand back and look at it, it turns out that this trick of the devil, because that's what it is, to hold a grudge, hang on to it. This trick of the devil is big business for Satan. He is profiting off this one. There are some people that seem to profit no matter if the stock market goes up or if the stock market goes down. They seem to m- find a way to profit and make money. There are people like that. The old devil, he is profiting like crazy off this increase in domestic violence and abuse and grudge holding. Did you know there's a morbid pleasure in holding a grudge? There's someone that you're dissatisfied with and, huh, huh, well, I'll just... Never forgive them or I'll never talk to them again in my life. Some people hold grudges for years. 20 years, people hold grudges. 50 years, all their lives, some people hold grudges. They, they take comfort in that morbid pleasure. Uh, I'll never forget the day you did this to me and you did that to me. I'll never forget the day. And there's a morbid pleasure in that. Yes, there is. But boy, it comes at a cost, I'm telling you. Look at it again. James 5, 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge, look at that, the judge standeth before the door. Now to grudge not, I'll be honest with you, it's easier said than done. Our human flesh, our human nature is to hold a grudge. That's how we're made. It's easier said than done, done, but it also, you see, comes with a a consequence, a condemnation. Notice the judge, the judge, (laughs) who's the judge? I I can answer that in one word, Jesus, Jesus is the judge. And it says here that, that he's standing at the door. You know that Jesus sees right through every excuse. Did you know that? He sees right into every heart. There is no one that's going to fool Jesus. Jesus cannot be fooled. I can be fooled. People fool me. You can be fooled. But Jesus Christ cannot, will not, never has, never will be fooled. He can look into our heart. And Jesus will recognize a grudge when he sees it, right? You can recognize a car when you see it, can't you? You could recognize a fire when you see it, couldn't you? Jesus can recognize a grudge when he sees it. And he sees it all the time, I'm sure. In Christian people, that's why it says brethren. Grudge not one against another. Brethren, lest ye be condemned. You and I, sometimes, after we hold a grudge for long enough, we stuff it down. We try and forget about it. Yeah, it's not a very pleasant sort of thing. I don't want to think about that person and so I'll forget about them but the grudge remains it's like sweeping the dirt and the junk under the carpet yes it's out of sight but there's this lump in the carpet and every once in a while you trip on it or someone says hey what's that that lump oh don't remind me sometimes when we have a grudge against someone and it could be a family member or it could be someone at church or it could be a neighbor Or a relative far off, halfway around the world. It doesn't matter. Listen. It could be a grudge against someone who's died. They're not alive anymore. Their their funeral was years ago. But someone can still hold a grudge. Unfortunately, there's a lot of abuse in the world, sadly. Child abuse. And it should never be, and God will reckon and settle the accounts, absolutely. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But people grow up with a grudge against a relative who abused them, or a next-door neighbor or something. And even after that person is, is in prison, they can hold a grudge. Or after that person has died, they can still hold a grudge for years. some Christian adults, well into their adulthood, are still holding a grudge against their father, against their mother. They still are holding a grudge. And we're talking saved people here. Still holding a grudge. You see, it's inescapable. It's in the Bible. It's right before our, our eyes here. The judge, because he's a judge, he must bring consequences into our lives. You say, well, what sort of consequences might those be? Well, I can give you three anyhow. Number one is the lack of joy and peace and love and wisdom. That's out the door. As long as we hold on to a grudge, we're going to say goodbye to the fruit of the spirit and the blessed life. That's gone. Oh, we can give the impression. You know, we can try and paste a smile on our face. But the real joy of the Lord is not there. And this ought to be a warning flag or a red light or something. Something's not right. So that's number one. Number two, (laughs) would you turn back, please, to Matthew chapter uh, 18. Matthew 18. I want you to see this, please. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, look at verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until, say it with me, would you? Seventy times seven. That's a lot, isn't it? That's about 449 or something like that. That's a lot in a day. (laughs) Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. That's a huge fortune. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and that Uh, he had and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence. That's not very much money. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. Saying, pay me that thou owest. I wonder if anyone's ever preached a sermon entitled, by the throat. I wonder if anyone's ever done that. Verse 29, and his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee. Underline those words in your Bible. All that debt. Now underline this. Because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. That doesn't sound good. Till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. It needs to be genuine and pure from the heart. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure I can do that. That person, that man, that woman offended me years ago or last week or last night. I don't know if I can, uh, if I can forgive them. Yes, you can. And I'll tell you how to do it in just a moment. But I said, consequences, three of them. Number one is the loss of joy and peace and and wisdom. It's out the window, it's gone. Number two, other repercussions. Those tormentors, I wonder what this guy went through. But number three, those words in James 5, the judge is standing at the door. Say, what does that mean? What is this door? Is it the door of your heart? Is it the door of heaven? It could be, I suppose. But I'll tell you something else it might be. And that's the door of opportunities. The door of opportunities. Have you ever had a prayer request? Have you ever gone to God and said, Oh Lord, please, save Uncle Zeke. Oh Lord, please, please answer this prayer. Have you done that and then never seen the prayer answered? Is it possible? That there could be someone that you haven't forgiven. I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, that's where you need to ask the Lord to show you. Lord, search my heart. Search me, O God. That's where that verse comes in handy. And try me and know my ways and see if there be any wicked way in me. And holding a grudge is a wicked way. And we tend to forget that we had a grudge against this person and that person and that person in school and that person at work. We tend to forget. And so that's why we say, well, I don't think there's any grudge. And maybe there really is. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to show us. And you need to be brave in prayer and say, okay, Holy Spirit, let me have it. Give me the truth. Is there anyone that I'm not forgiving? Anyone in my family? Anyone? Wait upon the Lord in prayer. Anyone from my school days? Anyone at work? Anyone of my neighbor's? Anyone that I've met in passing. How about that slowpoke driver in front of you? Oh, do I have to forgive him? Well, better be safe than sorry. Jesus wouldn't hold a grudge. The judge is standing at the door. You're in Matthew there. Just turn over to Mark, would you please? Mark chapter 11. And Here, I think we have an insight. We have an insight here on uh, this business of grudges or forgiveness and the door of opportunities. Because it seems to me that a lot of doors get closed when we hold grudges. God closes those doors. I think the judge is standing at the door. He won't let us go through. But look, please. Mark chapter 11, verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. You remember this story when Jesus cursed the fig tree? So the next day they saw it dried up. It withered away. I think over in Israel, when you go on a tour, uh, they'll say, this is the fig tree that Jesus cursed. Don't you believe it? Because that fig tree is dried up from the roots. It it was gone the next day. (laughs) It didn't last 2,000 years. There's a lot of stuff they'll tell you, a lot of malarkey. If you go on some of the trips. So don't listen to some of those guys. So anyhow. In the morning as they passed by. They saw it. Verse 21. And Peter calling to remembrance said unto him. Master behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering. Saith unto unto them. Have faith in God. Now keep that in the back of your mind. Faith in God. For verily I say unto you that. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Say what now is that? Well they were right there at the Mount of Olives. And also maybe Mount Jerusalem was nearby. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which uh, he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Pastor, what in the world does that mean? Does that mean that we can just call out in prayer and ask God to throw the Mount of olives into the Mediterranean? Is that what it means? No, what it means is this whatever god has given you faith in it hasn't happened yet be it even a mountain whatever god is telling you to do if you have that unshakable faith that comes from the holy spirit gives it to you then you have it you just go ahead and pray whether it takes days or months or years you just keep praying because it will happen some people have experienced this They know that their mother or their father was not saved, but they had an unshakable faith. Yes, God is going to save my mother. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I know he's going to do it. And so they keep on praying with assurance. And one day mom gets saved. Same principle. Verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when ye stand praying, what's the next word? Say it. Forgive if ye have aught against any that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Huh. So there's forgiveness coupled with answers to prayer. You can't escape it. They, they're linked. They're joined together. Opportunities, answers to prayer, great doors, effectual doors that God has for you and for me. We can't seem to get through those doors. Why? Why? Because we're holding a grudge against Aunt Matilda. Or some little kid said something to us. And it hurt our feelings. Oh, I'll never talk to that kid again. Now all of a sudden, can't get through the doors. It won't open. The judge is standing at the door. You know that Jesus is the door. You know that. He said that. He's also standing at the door. Because he's the judge. Can you imagine how sad it would be to give Satan the power in your life to hinder and stop your prayers and give Satan power to close doors of opportunity. And what do you get in return? The miserable, morbid pleasure of holding a grudge against someone. You'll never progress. You'll never see the love, peace, joy, wisdom, and blessings of God. They're gone. There's, There's the tormentors we read about in Matthew 18. Here... There's prayers that'll never get answered. And what do you get in return? You get the morbid pleasure of saying, I'll never talk to that person again. I'll never have anything to do with them. And holding it in your heart, a grudge. Scary stuff, don't you think? And yet it applies to Christians. That's why the Bible says, grudge not one against another, brethren. It's a trick of the devil, and he'll get any one of us Any one of us. Now, the devil will always tell you that what that person did to you was very big, very significant, very nasty, very mean, horrible. And yet when you think of all of the sin you've committed in life and how you've maybe even thought blasphemies, maybe even said blasphemies, Maybe you've gone places you know Jesus wouldn't go and you've done things. You've put your hand out and done things that you know are wrong. All this sin is against God and he has from his heart forgiven us because we asked him to. And then we went out and grabbed this person by the throat. Pay me, thou owest. (laughs) They won't ask forgiveness. And we hold on to a grudge. Who's the loser? We are we'll always be the loser satan'll always be the winner always sad isn't it the devil says it's not a little thing it's a big thing no not in comparison with what we've done to god that's a big thing that's the 10,000 talents god has forgiven this thing that person has done it's just a little thing it's only the the 100 pence that's all it is we can forgive you say how how do we do it you remember have faith in god You forgive by faith. That's how you do it. You say, by faith? How do I do that? Well, you simply get on your knees and you say, Lord, I don't feel like it, but I want to. I want to forgive that person. And from my heart, Holy Spirit, help me to do this now. Help me to forgive so-and-so, and you name them. Lord, I forgive them from my heart. I loose them from any obligation. It's as if they've never committed the crime. They don't owe me anything. Lord, I thank you. You've forgiven me so much. I'm going to forgive them now. And you do it by faith. And when you do it by faith, God will bless you with the peace and the joy. Now, my time is done here, but I want you to think about throughout history, the many times that victims and families of victims have forgiven their perpetrators. During World War II, Dr. Joseph Mengele was the evil Nazi doctor who performed horrible experiments on young Jewish children, one of whom was 10-year-old Eva Moses, M-O-Z-E-S. All through Eva's life, she carried the bitterness of what was done to her. And finally, in 1995, six, at 60 years of, of age, 50 years had gone by, and she was now 60, Eva made a public forgiveness to everyone who was involved in all of the horrible things that were done to her, and she forgave them. Now, some people thought she was out of her mind to do so, but Eva later said that since doing that, she has found a new peace in her whole life. For the first time in 50 years, she's at peace. On Wednesday evening, June 17, five years ago, 2015, five years ago, 21-year-old Dylan Roof walked into the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in the States, and he opened fire, killing everyone he could see. Nine people died, including the pastor. He shot these people multiple times. He was arrested. And in court, later in court, as Dylan stood there to receive his sentencing, the families of those victims rose one by one and looked Dylan in the eye. And each one said, Dylan, I forgive you. How did they do it? By faith. By faith. That's victory for you. Grudge not one against another brethren. And so we finish off by saying or asking, has someone offended you? Someone in your past? Maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was 20 minutes ago. But has someone done something to rub you the wrong way? Have they offended you? Have they broken your heart? Have they brought about a a dissatisfaction, a grumbling? What are you going to do with that grudge? I'll tell you What you ought not to do is hang on to it. You ought to cast all your care upon him. For he careth for you. You ought to get rid of that thing. You do it by faith. And I'll tell you two things. When you forgive. here's two reasons why you ought to do it. Two reasons. To forgive every person you can think of. Against whom you're dissatisfied. Two reasons. Number one. Because God forgave you. That's the best reason. Because God in heaven forgave you. And the second reason is because God will bless you if you do that. He'll bring the peace and the joy back to your heart and he'll start opening those closed doors once again. He'll chase the tormentors out of your life. These are good reasons, don't you think? Yes. Would you bow your head in prayer with me? Please close your eyes and Ask the Lord right now. Ask the Lord to search your heart. And say to him, Lord, I don't know. Maybe I've forgotten. Is there anyone? Anyone? In my family? Anyone in my church? Anyone at work? Anyone at school? Is there any human being, alive or dead, against whom I'm dissatisfied and I hold a grudge. Show me. And if God is showing you, then in your heart, would you loose them from that debt and forgive them? But they haven't asked forgiveness. Don't wait. Don't wait for them to ask. You just freely give it. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. Ask him to take away the grudge. Take away those bad feelings. Would you do that now? Our Heavenly Father, we do pray for victory for every Christian man, woman, young person. Everyone here today, everyone watching over the internet. Bless us as a church family together. grant to us wisdom and joy and peace and show us, Lord, if we're holding a grudge against someone somewhere, give us victory. Father, also, would you please answer this prayer and bring us all back together as a church family. And we'll thank and love and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, normally... We have our offering time right now and our ushers would come forward and they would receive the offering. But we have to do it a little differently. For those of you here today, physically in church, we have an offering box at the back and it has a nice big slot. So you can put your tithes and faith promise in there. Don't forget the missionaries, would you please? Don't forget the promise you made to the Lord. and Please be faithful with your promise. Your tithes, and your faith promise put them in the back box and those who are watching online we encourage you to go to the donation page and to make your donation now before we do i'd like to read for you the word of the lord in psalm 95 oh come let us sing unto the lord let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms for the Lord is a great God. Hey, we're going to talk about that tonight, folks. And a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. He, the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it and in his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Giving is an act of worship.